0: Hey, have you enjoyed these stations that we've had out in the uh, lobby and the iced coffee and kind of some fun things we're doing? Hopefully uh, we continue to do that this month. We just want to uh, do something a little different on these uh, Sundays in August. And it's been, been fun as families to get together and see the kids in the service and just love seeing little faces out there when uh, we're, we're up here. Well, I don't know if we've met yet, but my name is Brian Eldridge, and I've met a lot of you. Maybe some of you I haven't met. I'm the associate pastor here at Mountain View Community Church. I've been here for about three months, and just kind of getting my feet wet and getting things going, and I'm very excited about the future and what God has, and, and I've, like I said, uh, I'm just excited to be here. I think God's going to do some great things through this church to impact our community, and I appreciate John's uh, invitation to allow me to teach once in a while, because I really feel like... Uh, that teaching is an important part of something that I do, and I enjoy it very much. And so this is not a, this is not a chore for me. It's something I really, really enjoy. So we're going to continue in the series that we're in called The Summer of Power. We've been talking about the book of Acts. We're almost done. We actually have two more weeks today, and then next week John's going to wrap this up. But today I want to talk about a passage of scripture in Acts chapter 21. And I want to ask you a question before we get going. What if you possessed the power to know what was going to happen tomorrow before it actually happened would it change what you do today the way you lived today now some might think immediately wow that power could be used for evil or that power could be used for good maybe you've seen the movie back to the future part 2 right where biff tannen the old biff goes back to the future goes to the future And then he steals the almanac, right? I love this movie. Just indulge me for a moment, okay? He steals the sports almanac, and then he goes back to the past, and he uses that sports almanac to bet on all these games. And, of course, he's betting right because he knows the future. And he makes millions of dollars. And what does he do? He gives it all the way to the poor and the widows, right? No, no. He keeps it all for himself. He builds big towers, and it's all about him. And that's what I would call using knowledge of the future for evil. Now, you could also think about how you can use knowledge Uh, for the future for good all right you maybe you've heard of minority report it's kind of this sort sort of you know technology thing with tom cruise and he's doing all these things they they have these aliens this is way out there guys they have these aliens that can predict the future and so they used it for for uh criminal justice right they knew a crime was going to happen and so they would show up before the crime happened and they would convict the guy of doing the crime before it even happened that's kind of crazy they'd stop him from doing it It was pretty amazing So here's the deal. I mean, this is all science fiction. This is all fun to talk about. But the bottom line is, we just don't know what the future holds, do we? We don't know what tomorrow holds. And we can't know, but yet that doesn't stop people from wanting to know, does it? I mean, we see this all the time in our culture. Uh, We see people looking for answers, hungry for information. Maybe you've noticed the rise in popularity of things like psychics or mediums or TV shows that, that are, have people on there that are psychics and they're talking about the future. They're trying to connect people with people that aren't alive anymore and, and know what's going on in the future. Maybe you've even seen Miss Cleo, late night TV. This is when I was growing up. Remember Miss Cleo? Just call now, man. You get the, you get the future. I'll tell you, right? I mean, I was really tempted as a 7th, 8th grader to call and find out if this girl was going to go out with me or not if I asked her. right? But I never did. All right? I didn't have the guts to do it. But I knew, it was not, I knew it was kind of not real, but anyway. So even in the scientific times that we live in today, many people still map out their lives by their horoscopes, right? I mean, it's just, this, is, this is normal stuff. And so today I want to talk to you about how the Holy Spirit speaks to us and gives us the power to do God's will. And one of the ways that God speaks to us is through prophecy. Now, to prophesy means to speak to others under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And there's actually a couple different kinds of prophecy that we see in the scriptures. We see foretelling and forthtelling. So, foretelling would be like this is what's going to happen to you. Today we're going to read a passage of scripture that has a prophecy that tells the future. And Paul gets that prophecy from Agabus, the prophet. But there's also what we call forthtelling. Foretelling is just when a prophet or someone that's, that's under the influence of the Holy Spirit speaking to someone that in that moment, it's like, it's a, a thing for you today. Like, for example, I see leadership in you. God's going to use you to be a leader, and you're, you're going to do great things. That's kind of a, a telling. Like, right now in the moment, this is like, okay, God's speaking to me right now to encourage me and to lift me up. That's, that is prophecy in some way. And so we see this all throughout the scripture, and I don't know if you've ever had someone prophesy over you. I've, I've had some funny stories. A pastor friend of mine actually had a a gal come up to him. This was before he was married. And uh, it was he was in high school. And this lady came up to him and said, "Uh, by the way, uh, God told me we're going to get married. Now, that would be a prophecy that he did not receive in that moment, right? He's like, "Uh, no, that's not God. I'm sorry. Uh, And he was not at all attracted to this, this lady. And they didn't end up getting married. It was obviously not God even though she maybe wanted it to be God, okay? So there is a way that maybe prophecy is, is, is abused. But there's also some prophecy that's actually really good. And one of those actually happened in my life. I was uh, probably a 15-, 16-year-old uh, young man, and I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I was kind of struggling. And, and uh, I remember praying at the altar, and God saying to me, uh, I want to use you in the church. I want to use you to be a leader in the church. like, what does that look like, God. And after the service, I walked back to the back, and I still remember it like it was yesterday. There was an old lady in our, our church who came to me and said, young man, you're going to be a pastor. And I was like, well, that's like a prophecy, right? You're going to be a pastor. And I was like, ooh. Like, she didn't say God told me, but it just it felt like that. And I'm like, okay, God, is this really what you want me to be? Because I'm not just going to accept this lady's word and just go do what she said. I really want it to be you, God, not just some lady talking to me. Well, eventually the Lord began to confirm that in my heart again and again, and even through other people. And so in that way, prophecy was good because it encouraged me and it helped me understand, okay, God is speaking through people, to me, and through me, and that's a good thing. But unfortunately, prophecy has been misused many, many times. In fact, maybe you've heard of Edgar Wisent. Edgar wrote a book called 88 Reasons Why the Rapture is Going to Happen in 1988. And he sold over a million copies and guess what? It didn't happen, right? And then he wrote again, 89, 93, 94. Guess what? It still hasn't happened. What is the deal, Edgar? You sold a lot of books, but tell you what, man, that's not the right way to use prophecy, okay? But the Bible code, remember the Bible code? There's a hidden code inside the Bible. And if only we could see these letters lining up the right way, we can know what these things, when these things are going to happen. Wrong. Date setting is not new. Right? It happens over and over again. We see it. And since Jesus left, there have been thousands of date-setting, date-suggesting, date-hinting schemes that are all wrong. So date-setting is really a curse of Bible prophecy. And it's actually very destructive. But the bottom line is God gave us prophecy. And he, we we're going to see that today in this passage. He didn't give it to us just to pique our interest in the future or curiosity, but he gave it to us to motivate us to live for him today. And that's what we're going to see today. So prophecy we see over and over again in the scriptures. The New Testament alone refers to Christ's return about 320 times in 260 chapters. Bible prophecy was given to us to remind us that God has a plan and an order for everything he has. So when it comes to prophecy, we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. There is a process that we should follow. And really the process is found in 1 Thessalonians 5.19-22. through 22. Listen to what it says here. It says, do not quench the spirit and do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. And so when we listen to prophets speak or we hear a prophecy, we must know God's word. We must test it against God's word because God can use that to give us specific direction. Or maybe it's just to give us kind of a kick in the pants to do what he wants us to do, which is fulfill his will. And so I want to start off by talking about something that might be, I don't know, maybe a shade controversial, but I got the okay from John to talk about it, so I want you to know that, okay? You ready? Here we go. Prophecy is not just for men. God also uses women to prophesy, and I think this is important to see. And we're going to see this right away in our passage. So number one, God uses women, too. Prophecy is not just for men. Now Acts 21, 8 and 9 says this, Leaving the next day, we reach Caesarea, and stayed at the house of Philip, the evangelist, one of the seven. And he had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. Four unmarried daughters. Now, again, to prophesy means to speak to others under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that God went out of his way to point out these two women who were used to speak this way here in the book of Acts. And you look at the scriptures, there are many, many examples of how God used women, even in cultures that... Women were not looked at as leaders at all. Who led the way, Deborah, for example, in Judges 4 and 5, she was a part of the nation of Israel. She was the judge of Israel, the leader, and all the men followed her leadership. Some people say, well, they couldn't find any men to take that spot. Well, are you talking about over a million people and they couldn't find one guy, right? No, because she stood out. She was an amazing leader. JL was a woman who showed her warrior spirit by defeating the evil king with courage and action. She actually drove a stake through the evil king. Uh, in the Old Testament, women like Miriam and Huldah were referred to as prophets. In Exodus 15, 20, we see that Miriam was a prophetess. In 2 Chronicles 34, we see that those that the king had sent with him went to speak to the prophetess Huldah. So even in the Old Testament, there were women who were prophesying and being prophetic, speaking even to the highest levels of the people of Israel through the, to the king. Now, this is a a world where the women were not even allowed to study the Torah. And yet Jesus came into this world, and what did he do? He invited women to sit at his his feet and and share, and and he would teach them the good news, and he would encourage them to go and share the good news with other people. So, in all that, we see that all the way through Scripture. There are two Scriptures that we kind of have to grapple with a little bit this morning. There are two passages in the entire New Testament that seem to contain a prohibition of ministry for women, of women. And that's 1 Corinthians 14 and 1 Timothy 2.12. So, how do we look at those passages? We, gotta, we have to place those difficult passages alongside what we see throughout the whole scripture and all the other statements that Paul has made. And when we do that, it's hard to really for me to see a prohibition of the ministry of women. Instead, these passages in Timothy and 1 Corinthians seem to be dealing with a specific issue, a local problem that needed correction. And so I think the Bible actually affirms uh, the the ministry of women in the church. And I think it's important to understand, even in Romans 16, it says, Greet Junia and my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles. Junia was a woman. Romans 16, 1, Phoebe was a deacon. Priscilla was a leader, along with her husband Aquila. Philippians 4, 2 and 3, we read that Yodia and Syntyche were two women who, quote, contended at Paul's side for the cause of the gospel. My, uh, uh, See, Kim's grandmother, actually, was a pastor, believe it or not, in the 50s. And she was married, and her husband was not called to be a pastor. She, he was called just to work and you know, support the church, and so he built the church. He, he, he did all this stuff, and her, her grandmother actually pastored the church in McCleary, Washington, back in the 50s. So when I look at these passages, I think, what do we do with these? where Paul says, I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man. She must be silent. Now, that's an issue, right? What does that mean? How do we interpret that? Again, a reading of the entire passage suggests that Paul was giving Timothy advice about a church in Ephesus that was dealing with some heretical teaching and some practices that involved women. The women were like out of control there in, in Ephesus. They were doing some things that were really bad. And so there was heresy there. It was very serious. And so Paul had to just put his foot down and say, all right, listen, if that's the way it's going to be, and this is, again, this is my interpretation of this. I am not going to allow women to teach or have authority over a man because of what's happening in this, in this local church. Now, look, at today we have fantastic women in, in ministry, and I'm so glad to, uh, to receive ministry from them. Like Joyce Meyer, you hear her on, on, the, on, the, on television. She's a fantastic speaker, Christine Kane. Thank God for these women that he has called. And God is calling more, I believe, women to step up and, and, and help in leadership of the church. My wife has her, had her credentials at one point. She wanted to be a, a pastor, not necessarily a lead pastor, but help serve the church in some way, which I think is awesome, and I encourage her in that. I love the fact that at Mountain View, we have multiple women on our council and finance committee and, and on our property committee uh, serving in children's ministry, obviously leading children's ministry. Heidi Newkirk, our children's pastor, is leading in that way. She's even teaching on Sundays from time to time, which I think is fantastic. And I just want to encourage us to, to consider the scriptures today. I know that some of us maybe struggle with that a little bit, and I'm okay with having a dialogue with you about that. Totally okay with that, because I believe that the Lord can help us figure this out together. But I just want to ask all the ladies in this room, 18 or under, to stand up real quick. Come on, all the girls, 18 or under, where are you at? I know you're out there. Stand up. 18 and under. Okay, the, look, look around. Now, which one of us would say, if one of these young ladies were called to minister in the church, which one of us would say, no, That's not. we can't allow that? Of course not. These are, these are the future, again, potential leaders. Now, they don't have to be leaders. You could be moms, and that's great, and you could stay at home with your kids, and that's awesome. But you could also maybe have a call from God to do something uh, that in the church world as well. Obviously, a calling to raise kids is an amazing calling as well. So let's give it up for these ladies this morning. Come on, let's give it up. All right, number two. Let's get off that for a second. Let's go to this next part of this passage here. Number two, God can use prophecy to give specific direction. And it's always in unity with the scriptures. Let's look at this uh, Acts chapter 21, verse 10 and 11. It says, after we had been there for a number of days, the prophet named Agabus... Came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, The Holy Spirit says, In this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. So Agabus, the prophet, was predicting that if Paul went to Jerusalem, he was going to be bound and he was going to be basically in chains and in jail. And, and captured, and not allowed to you know, do, travel around and do what he wanted to do. But here's the, here's the important thing. You now, he ended up being right. We know that. He spoke truth from, from the from, from Holy Spirit. But he never insisted that Paul not go to Jerusalem. Now, there are other people that were insisting that he not go, because they were afraid for Paul's life. But Agabus the prophet knew that he was just bringing the word of God to Paul. And it was up to Paul to decide how he was going to respond to that word. And, And Paul was like, thanks for the heads up. You know, kind of like that. But he was still pursuing the thing that God had put on his heart. And so we need to be careful of anyone who says to us, God told me this and you must do this. We need to be careful of that. Because remember the Bereans, they were commended for searching the scriptures. They were commended for uh, for learning, because there's a process here. Again, First Thessalonians 5:20. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. And probably, I think one of the best definitions or, or clear way to state what prophecy is is First Corinthians 14:3. It says, "But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and their comfort." And so with those protections in mind, God uses prophecy to help us understand his will and to help us follow his will. Now, uh, there are times I, I wouldn't consider myself a prophet. I believe that every single person, if you're a believer, if you, have the, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. Okay? So uh, God, God wants to use you. Right? He wants to use you and he wants to, he, he, he may give you a word for someone and you have to be obedient to, to, to say that. And so, God doesn't use me like this very often, but a couple years ago, I was at a youth camp and we were all praying at the altars for these young people. And God just told me, I want you to go to every single uh, person, every single young man, and speak to them about how I want to use them. I'm like, God, I, I don't know all these kids. And some of these kids were in my youth group, so I was able to kind of know a little bit of their background. But he's like, just trust me. I want you to speak life over them. And I'm like, okay. So I went up, I started to do this. I started to talk to these young men. I said, listen. And it was just, it wasn't long. I was like, and one guy got up to, I just said, I don't know what I'm gonna say to this guy. And all of a sudden, God gave me this thing. It's like, this person's gonna be a leader. Speak leadership over them. So I'm like, okay. Hey, you're gonna be a leader. God's gonna use you. I just wanna let you know that. Don't be a follower, be a leader. And that was it. And I went to the next person. I'm like okay, what do I say to this person, God? And he's like, he gave me like a little, a little nugget of something. Now, I knew something about these kids, but enough that I was able to kind of see what God was saying, but at the same time, the Holy Spirit was speaking through me. Now, again, this is not something that happens all the time, but it was definitely God using me to prophesy to these young men about what God wanted to do in their life. I've had friends who have come forward for prayer at the end of a service, and they couldn't have children, and they were praying for years to have kids, and there was a gal who, who basically prophesied on them and said, hey, God's going to give you children. You are going to bear children, not adoption. Now You're going to bear children. And they took that word. Of course, I mean, they're hungry like to have kids because they want to have kids. And so they begin to pray. And guess what? It didn't happen. It took five more years before God came through in their lives. And, and their, the womb was no longer barren and God brought forth kids from this couple. But they had to wait. But again, it was an encouragement to keep going, to keep trusting that God's will was going to be accomplished because they felt that in their hearts. And so again, this is a way that prophecy helps us. It encourages us. And I want to encourage you if, you, if you've ever been used in this way, to continue to ask God, God, if you want me to speak to someone or encourage them, that's some of that's exhortation, but some of that could be prophetic as well in their lives. Use those gifts that God's given you to bring encouragement, to bring strength, and to bring power to help people uh, fulfill God's will for their life. All right, number three. Follow God and his will is done. Now I want to share a little bit of my testimony with you. Many of you have not heard my testimony. I grew up in, a, uh, in church. I was a young man uh, who was basically born at the hospital and brought to church like the next Sunday. And I've been in church my whole life. Grew up as a five-year-old. I kneeled knelt at my bed and my mom led me through the sinner's prayer. And I gave my life to Jesus. I had no idea really what I was doing, but I just knew that mom and dad loved Jesus, so I wanted to love Jesus too. And so I went to Sunday school and knew all the stories and grew up and became a a middle school. Uh, And I started to kind of rebel a little bit. When I say rebel a little bit, it really wasn't like a lot, but like I would start to like use language at school. I remember one day my mom caught me using a word that she had never heard out of my mouth before. And I was fixing my bike, and I let out an F word right there. Now, my mom, look, look, I never said anything like that. And so my mom literally ran into her bedroom and threw herself on her bed and began to weep. I'm like, oh, I just, I'm going to kill my mom because I said that word, (laughs) which is horrible. I was like, oh, I felt so guilty, you know. I'm like, mom, I'm so sorry. I'll never say it again, you know. Again, I was like 11 years old at the time. I was kind of testing out this little bit of this rebellious side. But, you know, I never got into drugs, never got into alcohol. I I never was promiscuous or anything like that. I just, I, I was a pretty good kid, but I was just a church kid. You know, I just, I knew how to do it, right? I would carry my Bible to church, and I'd go through the motions like everybody else, and I would go to youth group, and everybody thought I was good and loved Jesus. And I was still trying to figure it out because I wasn't sure about this God thing. Like, God, are you real? And I went through this crisis of faith probably when I was about 14 Maybe 15 years old. I remember going to youth camp and just seeing people like seek the Lord and, and God get a hold of their lives. And I would just kind of sit back thinking, like, I'm holding back a little bit. Like, I really don't want to give it all. I really don't want to surrender everything to you, God. I just, I kind of still want to live my life. And eventually, God broke through my heart and said, You know what? If you're going to serve me, you need to serve me for, for me, not for your parents, not for your church or whatever, okay? It's got to be about you. And so that's what I did. I stepped across the line that day. I said, Okay, God. I'm going to serve you because I love you, because I want to follow you, because I know you're real, not because everybody else says it's true. So I did, and I began to pray. I began to read the word, and it became so real to me in those moments. And and I was about 14 years old uh, when I just started to figure out, okay, what do I want to do with my life? And when you're 14, it's all about like what? Trying to make money, right? So I'm thinking, what can make me the most money? And so I, I felt like Uh, I was going to be a lawyer. That's what I was going to be. Because I I like to kind of debate and talk with people. And so I'm going to be a lawyer. That's it. And I remember a few weeks later going to a Chinese restaurant, opening up a a fortune cookie. And inside it said, you would make a good lawyer. I'm like, that's it right there. That's the confirmation from the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be a lawyer, right? And my my friends joked and they just thought it was funny. And my my parents said, are you sure you want to do this? You know how much schooling it takes to be a lawyer? I wasn't really big on schooling. I mean, I was a 3.0 student, and I was trying really hard. And uh, I just, you know, I didn't really want to go to school for eight years. And so I thought, you know, lawyer is not for me. Maybe I'll be an accountant, because I can run a calculator, you know. I can, I can do this stuff. And so I decided I was going to be an accountant. I started studying all this stuff, and I realized that I really, I didn't really like math that much. <laughs> so that's not going to work, because I don't want to look at numbers all day, right? This is really boring. Um, and then, uh, again, this, you heard about my call like, to be a pastor, and that was it. Okay, I was, was going to be a pastor. So what do, you, what do you do to become a pastor? Well, you go to Bible college, right? So I went to Bible college, and I thought, God, what kind of a pastor am I going to be? I mean, there's like all kinds of pastors. There's music pastors, youth pastors, kids pastors, um, you know, lead pastors, associate pastors, teaching pastors. We could go on and on. And I really felt like because I had like, skill with music, that I was going to be a music pastor. So I went to school, and this was back in the days when they had choirs at churches and all this stuff. And so they're like, hey, great, you're going to be a music pastor? We're going to teach you how to direct a choir. I'm like, what? I don't want to do that. I'm like, I want to stand up there and lead worship and like, stuff like that. And they're like, no, you got to learn how to direct a choir. And you have to know how to play the piano. I'm like, piano? I've never touched a piano. I'm a drummer, right? I don't know how to do that. And so, well, you have to pass a piano proficiency test in order to get your degree as a music pastor. Piano proficiency, what do I do? Well, take lessons. So I took lessons, like $50 for the semester, which is like a lot of money for me. I took lessons, and uh, I got to the end of the semester, and like, okay, it's time to take the piano proficiency test. Are you ready? I'm like, okay, I'm ready. And I went in there, and they put this piece of music on there, and I just froze up. It was such a simple piece. Like, my daughter could probably play this in her sleep. It was so easy. And I'm in in there, and I'm getting all the, the number, the things mixed up. I'm like, oh, I totally bombed the piano proficiency test. And so I put my head down. I'm like, God, are you sure you called me to be music pastor? Because I can't even pass this dumb test. And now they're telling me I can't get my degree in music ministry. And now here, here I am. Well, a couple months passed and I felt like the Lord speaking to me. It's, it's not about what you do, Brian, in the church. It's about the fact that I want to use you to serve the church. So I'm going to reveal this to you. Just keep studying. Keep studying the Word of God. Keep going to class. And I'm going to show you what you're going to be. So I'm like, okay, God, I'll just trust you. And then eventually I get, ended up in a youth ministry track and I was a youth pastor for 13 years. And it was great. It was amazing. But when I started to tell people that I wanted to be a youth pastor, even before I went to Bible college, I had people tell me, what, you want to be a youth pastor? Or you want to be a music pastor? Those people don't make any money. Well, that was my fear, right? Because I want to be a lawyer to make money. And I'm, I'm like, wait, I'm going to have to take a vow of poverty now to be a, a pastor. I don't want to do this. And it's going to be difficult, and it's going to be hard. And, and kind of, I mean, I don't want to compare myself to Paul in any way, but here are people saying, Paul, it's going to be hard for you. I mean, you're going to be bound. You're going to be put in jail. You're going to be kept in a cell. Are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure? Now, again, I don't want to draw too many parallels between those two things, but look at what they said here in, in chapter 21, verse 12. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. When he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. I love the resolve of Paul there. I am ready. Stop breaking my heart. You know, parents, some of us, we we want to direct our kids to certain things to make their lives a little easier. And sometimes they choose to do certain things, and we try to jump in the way and say, no, no, you should do this, you should do that. It's okay for us to direct, but I want us to be careful, because if our kids get to a point where they hear from the Lord, we should not discourage them from doing things that may be a little bit more difficult for them, if that's what God has called them to do. And there are many, many parallels that I can see, not only in my life, but in others' lives, where they see this path, and they know it's going to be hard. But you know what? God sometimes calls us to do hard things, because that's what his will for us is. And if it was always easy, and if it was always smooth, guess what? Maybe we're not going to learn and grow and have the character that he wants us to have, because he's always preparing us for what's next. After I graduated from Bible college, we moved to Gresham, and we got a, somebody hired me right out of Height, uh, right out of college, I couldn't believe it, it was like a miracle, I didn't know anybody, you know, all my friends were getting jobs, they knew all these people in Washington, I grew up in California, I didn't know, have any connections, this guy hired me out of college, and we got married, we got married, and graduated, I graduated from college on the same exact day, people, don't do it, all right, if you're thinking about it, don't do it, it was absolutely insane, but we did it, and uh, I remember getting there, we, we went, we grad. I graduated from college, Walked, I went uh, to my wedding ceremony, honeymoon began, we spent a week in Maui, we got back from Maui, and we started the very next day moving into my office as a youth pastor in Gresham. Eight months later, the church was about to split, and all the pastors on staff resigned. (laughs) And the elders came to me and said, we want you to stay. We really feel like, you know, you're doing some great things with the youth. I'm like, you know what, I can't. I said, I just see what's happened here. It's just, this is horrible. I can't stay in this situation. And so we resigned. So now I have no job. I have a wife. I have a lease on my apartment. And I have no, you know, like, prospective jobs anywhere. What do I do? (laughs) Again, God, are you sure you've called me to do this because this is just not working out like I thought it was going to? But again, time and time again, the Lord is faithful. Time and time again, when we went through difficult times, The Lord made a way for us. I guarantee you, friends, if you trust God, he will always come through for you. He will always come through for you. He will not let you down. People will let you down. The Lord will not let you down. And so I want to wrap up this morning because we're out of time. Application. Are you open to God speaking to you in a way that you've never experienced? Are you open to God speaking to you in a way that you've never experienced? Perhaps he he wants to speak through you to someone else in a way that you've never done before. Be open to that. Are you ready to serve God with your life? Again, it's like, I know it could be hard, but I'm going to do it. Serving Jesus is not easy. Whoever said it's easy to be a Christian was lying. It's not. It's a path of sacrifice. But you know what? It's rewarding because we're not living for this world friends are we come on we're living for eternity we're living for heaven are you ready to serve god with your life are you willing to follow god's will even though it may not be popular or comfortable i'm looking at you young people are you ready to live out god's will for your life even though it may not be popular or comfortable you're going back to school here in a couple weeks i'm sorry for saying that i know it's hard but listen you're going to be you're going to be inundated with everything the world wants to throw at you. I know that uh, Aaron and Amanda and the great team are trying to prepare you. They're giving you great discipleship and encouraging you in your walk and your faith. But you know what? Eventually, you're going to have to stand alone. Aaron's not going to be there to hold your hand. Amanda's not going to be there. Sarah, all these great youth leaders, Connor, they're not going to be there to hold your hand. You're going to have to stand for your faith. Will you do it? I hope you do. I know you can. Are you willing to follow God's will? even though it may not be popular or comfortable. This morning, as we wrap up, I just want to leave you with this. God wants to give you clear direction. It could come through prophecy, it could come through the prayer, through God's word, whatever it is. And when we follow God's will, his name will be glorified and his will will be accomplished. It's a great way to live, friends. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much. Because you love us, Lord. You love us so much that you allow us to go through struggle. Even even Paul struggled so much, and yet you used him in amazing ways, powerful ways. Lord, I pray for anyone here today that is going through a difficult time in their life. Maybe they're carrying a burden for their kids or their grandkids. Maybe they're just dealing with a lot of anxiety or depression or, or emotional distress and it's tough right now. God, I pray that you would come and bring encouragement and strength and power to do your will. And to accomplish your will. Whatever that looks like for each and every person here today. In Jesus' name. Keep your heads bowed for, for a moment, just friends. Keep your eyes closed. No way to look around. I'm just going to ask you this morning. If you're not a follower of Jesus, but you're saying, I, I want to follow Jesus. I'm ready. Like I was. At 15, ready to step across that line and say, I'm just just—I'm going to make a decision today to follow Jesus. Maybe that's you. Would you do this for me? Listen, no one's looking around. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I just want, I want to ask you, if you're not a follower of Jesus, but you want to say yes to Jesus today, and you want to begin to follow him, would you just lift your hand real quickly? No one looking around. Just real quickly, and just put it down so I can pray for you. I want to pray for you this morning. Anyone here today say, I want to follow Jesus. I'm ready. I'm ready. Anyone here today? I'll give you just a second. Okay. Maybe you're here today and you would say, I'm struggling with the call that God has put on my life. I'm not even talking about a pastoral call. I'm just talking about doing his will. And you're, you're struggling a little bit. And you'll be honest this morning and say, Brian, I'm struggling a little bit. I'm in a, I'm in a tough place right now. And I want to trust that God's will is going to be accomplished in my life. Will you pray for me today? Is that you? Would you lift your hands real quickly all over this place? See, that's me. I'm just, I'm going through a tough one. Would you help pray for me? Yeah, thank you. Anybody else? Just be honest. Yeah, thank you. I'm struggling right now. Yeah, thank you. I see you up there. Anyone else? I want to pray for you today. Lord Jesus, I thank you for these people that are are just honest today. They're saying, God, I need your strength. I need your power. I'm in a bad place right now. And I just need you to help me. Give me the encouragement that I need to fulfill your will. Lord, I pray you would do that today. I pray you'd already begin that this morning as we before we leave this place today. To know that you're going to accomplish your will. And even though it seems dark, even though it seems difficult right now, that you're going you're gonna to get them through. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're going to do in these lives. Lord, I just pray a prayer for every single person here today many believers in this room who love you they need encouragement I pray they'd be encouraged today to know they've got gifts they can use they've got abilities they've got a call every member of the body of Christ is a minister in one way shape or form so Lord help us to find that passion help us to find that call help us to find that ministry and use it for you and Lord help us to do your will every day in Jesus name Amen.